0: Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my final podcast in my series on the church. Let's review what we've learned so far about the church. The church has done so much good over the past 2,000 years when it was focused on the biblical teachings of Jesus, as explained in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and the second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. With this biblical focus, the Church has laid the foundation of so many of our Western laws, and even the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights— that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness yep and even our capitalistic society which is based on freedom and individual choice all rest their foundations on the teachings of the church the church worldview we have seen was vastly different from the ancient greek and roman worldview Those ancient cultures didn't look at every human life as having dignity and value. Dignity and value in the ancient world were defined by your sex, male, and your social status, elite. Christianity brought the idea of all human life having dignity and that no one, male, female, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, was above anyone else. The church taught that God created humans in his own image, which included, for better or worse, giving us the ability to reason and the opportunity to make our own decisions. Our creator God, because he made us in his own image, also the church points out, implies that all humans have immense value and that no person is more important than any other person. The early church taught the value of the human family. The Apostle Paul taught the early church to be responsible with their resources and for families to also be responsible with their resources. He also taught followers of Christ to act like followers of Christ. In the early church, there was less of a focus on handouts and more of a focus on hand-ups help people to help themselves. Paul said it was the duty and obligation of families to care for their aging and needy family members. Paul saw this as a privilege and opportunity for families to put their faith into action by giving back love and support to their parents, grandparents, and especially widows who are alone. And this would have been such a visual example of what it meant to be a Christian because it was vastly different from the way that others were treated in the Roman world. In our second podcast on the church, we also discussed what a worldview is, and we described some popular and potentially dangerous worldviews prevalent today and how the biblical or church worldview, which was so prevalent even a hundred years ago, is becoming distorted by opposing worldviews. A worldview, recall, is the lens that you view the world through. It filters everything that you see around you and colors how you think about the world and what you think your role in the world should be. The church has attempted to demonstrate the value in having a biblical or Christian worldview because it elevates the dignity of every human being as being beloved children of God created in his image. The Christian or biblical worldview acknowledges that the world is not as it should be because of our rebellion and sin, but that one day Jesus Christ will return to earth to restore all of creation, including us so that we may spend eternity with him in a beautiful restored earth where everything and everyone will once again be in perfect harmony. We looked at a worldview that's gaining strength in the Western world called the oppression or the critical race theory worldview. We discussed in the second podcast that this worldview often divides humanity into two oppressor, and oppressed. In this worldview, there's no acknowledgement of the brokenness of mankind because of sin, but instead, this worldview focuses its energy on the ills of society, on laws, corporations, social structures as being the reasons for the imbalance they see in the world. The belief with this worldview is that if you change the social constructs, then things will become more fair. We outlined the potential pitfalls of this mindset, not the least of which is that this worldview eliminates individual accountability, responsibility, self-worth, self-esteem, and dignity, but instead lumps everyone into groups. Your value in the critical race theory worldview comes from the group you belong to, not by virtue of the fact that you are a beloved child of God created in his image, regardless of race, creed, sex, or your financial statement. And if you happen to belong to more than one oppressed group, you hit the jackpot. This is not the biblical worldview, and it is potentially very damaging, divisive, and hateful. What I want to focus on in today's podcast is what should we as the church do? What does the Bible say the role of the church should be? Well, many of us may be tempted to shout out, "Beam me up, Scotty, I am out of here." That's not exactly the strategy the Bible calls for us as the church to take. Okay. So short of praying for a quick exit from planet Earth or praying for the end times to be here in the next five minutes, what should the church response be? First, we should pray and then pray some more. Because when we pray, we need to empty ourselves so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and guidance. We need to pray that we're not swayed by the emotional response of does it feel good and instead be guided by the biblical church response, does it do good? So that's what I'm doing. I'm praying. And in the next few minutes, I'll share with you some of the ways the Bible tells us to move forward. The amazing thing about the Bible is that if we learn it and live it and meditate on it day and night, it actually tells us how to respond to most situations. Who knew, right? Actually, the authors of the Bible knew this, and Jesus knew this, and his early followers knew this. It's just something many of us have forgotten. There's a great book I suggest you read called Made for Mission. It's written by David Posthuma, P-O-S-T-H-U-M-A. Now, in it, the author reminds us of what Paul said in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. It says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. In other words, Our response to the brokenness of the world and the false worldviews needs to be grounded in the truth of the Bible. We need to take captive every thought and submit it to God. We need to remove everything from our lives that would keep us from knowing God, and that means not being tempted by the news or social media or a well-meaning neighbor to become fearful and faithless. The decision to follow Christ needs to impact every part of our being our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. So, before we as the church move forward, we should turn our thoughts to the Old Testament. See, Joshua in the Old Testament was faced with a similar decision as he crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. He had to decide. What was he going to do? Who was he going to follow? This is in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Okay, church, if you're still with me, you've chosen to follow God. So what do we do in this crazy, sin-filled, upside-down world? Well, Paul has an idea in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as a church body, we need to swim upstream. We need to consciously not conform to the worldviews that place no value on the individual, to the unborn child, to the family unit, to the sanctity of marriage, to the ability to make rational and informed decisions. Don't conform to what the world says, but Be transformed by what the Bible says. Luke gives us more advice on how to respond as the church. And this is in the New Testament in the book of Acts written by Luke. This is in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. As Luke reminds us, this is Christ's church, and he bought the church with a price, his blood. Let's never forget that. As this verse points out, we need to pay attention to each other. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We need to care for our church, and it's more difficult to do that when we're watching a sermon from our couch. We need to get back into community with each other. The church is not a building, it's a community of believers. The Holy Spirit has made us overseers of this flock. Are we doing a good job being shepherds? The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wow. Now that was written a long time before COVID. And yet even 2000 years ago, apparently it was difficult to get people to meet together. Why do we need to meet together? The Bible says we need to meet together to encourage one another. Have you noticed that we live in a sinful world and it's much harder to be a professed Christian today than it was even 20 years ago? Yes, we definitely need to encourage one another. What else does the Bible tell us to do as the body of Christ? It's the church. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. So we meet to encourage one another, to love one another, and to do good works. What good works? spreading the news to all the nations. Okay, but really, what does that look like? Does this mean that every Christian needs to work for the church and be a missionary? Well, the good news is no. In Timothy Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, he explains how we as the church need to take our biblical worldview into this broken world and apply it to everything that we do. He says that without an understanding of the gospel, we will either be naively utopian or cynically disillusioned as we go about our daily life. Let's think about it. Both of those mindsets are pretty prevalent in the world today, aren't they? But because we have a Christian worldview, we know that the whole world was created good. And the whole world is fallen, and that there's no aspect of our world that's untouched by sin. But we also know the whole world is going to be redeemed. The author Timothy Keller goes on to explain that the vast implications of this gospel worldview about the character of God, the goodness of material creation, the value of the human person, the fallenness of all people and all things, the primacy of love and grace, the importance of justice and truth, the hope of redemption affect everything, and especially our work. Okay, so what does this look like for us as the church and the body of Christ in our everyday life, if we're supposed to be spreading the good news? How do we, as the church, live out our biblical worldview in our daily lives and work? Well, I like the examples that Timothy Keller describes in his book. And one particular example I'll share with you now. It's about a Christian school administrator. And he says, My friend started to see the gospel storyline, what the world should be, how it had gone wrong, and the hope for the future. And it gave him a better vision for education in poor inner-city schools. All the individual stories of brokenness, problems at home, no sleep, inadequate nutrition, street gangs, drugs, had reinforced a culture of rebellion and hopelessness in the schools. And the attitude of many of the students was, why bother? My friend wanted to bring hope of the gospel to his work in the field of urban education there's many competing storylines about what education should be what its main problem is and what needs to change education itself is often viewed as the savior for the ills of poverty and systemic injustice so the author's friend saw a more holistic approach with a recognition that the gospel could actually shape the culture of the school. And he did this by creating a culture of shared accountability and success. So here's what he did. Every morning, the students would gather along with their teachers for what they called the morning meeting. The morning meeting would provide an opportunity for the community to celebrate success through weekly awards by giving out shout-outs to one another for acts of service, and for living up to the school's values, and by sharing stories that would point to a story of hope. But brokenness was also addressed. It goes on to say that when students would fail to live up to the values of the community, students would participate in apologies, where they would hold each other accountable and support one another to live the school's core values better. Teachers and students were held accountable if they arrived late, for example. Now, can you see the core of the gospel here? This school administrator created a culture where students were held accountable and therefore no one got lost in the cracks. The charter school had a goal of getting 100% of their seniors to not only graduate from high school, but to go on to some further education. And According to the author, they've done this consistently through lifting up the individual and holding them lovingly accountable through rewards and consequences. Okay, so what about being a part of a biblical worldview in your business? According to the author, it would look vastly different to the world because it would have a discernible vision for serving the customer in some unique way. There would be a lack of adversarial relationships and exploitation. There would be an extreme emphasis on excellence and product quality and an ethical environment that would go all the way down to the bottom of the organizational chart. So my point is, as the church, our biblical worldview has all kinds of influence, sometimes profound and sometimes mundane. According to Timothy Keller, the particulars of how the gospel works in each of our areas of work are endlessly rich and powerful. I love that. On Tuesdays, I have the privilege of working with a group of homeless folks who want to obtain housing after getting a job, and they want to become more financially stable. So, We're teaching them the basic principles of Dave Ramsey's financial piece so that they can learn budgeting principles to better manage their resources. There was this one man who was a maintenance worker at a hotel, and he told me how he brings his faith to work with him and how it impacts everything that he does. I was so profoundly moved by this story, I know I will never forget it or him. He said that he knows that what he does as a maintenance worker matters. He knows that the guests at the hotel depend on him to do good work. Now, one night he was already clocked out when he noticed that the ice machine was out of order. He said that he knew it was important to stay and to fix it, even though he had already clocked out. He said that He couldn't imagine having guests who, in his words, paid good money to stay in a nice hotel, would have the inconvenience of having to go to another floor to get ice. This is just a breathtaking story of the way that our biblical worldview can and does make a difference in the world, in big or little ways. John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We as the church have been given a great gift, the gift of faith the gift of the knowledge of salvation through the blood of Christ. And we can share the good news that in the words of Pastor Jack Miller are, well, we're worse sinners than we ever dared imagine, and we're more loved than we ever dared hope. Think how that message has and will continue to transform the world. Finally, the church has this advice from the Apostle Paul, And this was in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Yes, we have divisions within the church today. Even the early church had divisions. The early church described in the book of Acts prayed for discernment, and they let the Holy Spirit guide them towards solutions. We have differences of opinion about certain things today in the corporate church, but let's not let the enemy tear us away from our true purpose, which is to share the gospel of salvation through belief in Jesus Christ with the whole world and to make his presence known in all our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Have a blessed day.